Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Want to get smarter about investing? Then tune in to the Capital Ideas podcast from Capital Group, home of American Funds Distributors, Inc., one of the world's leading asset managers. Each week, we bring you stock market outlooks, macroeconomic updates, and investment strategies that can help you succeed. Learn from portfolio managers with decades of experience about how they navigate uncertain markets. Prepare to be engaged, enlightened, and entertained by listening to the Capital Ideas podcast today. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Welcome to an all new season of True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. I'm your host, Larry Lease. This season, we dive into some of the most infamous assassinations of all time. Join us this week as we dive into part two of the Kennedy assassination. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. Pondex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out Pondex.com and be sure to use the code Larry21 for 10% off your first purchase. And now on to our main topic, JFK assassination. Eleven twenty-two sixty-three will be a day that will live in infamy for the U.S. The limousine was passing the grassy knoll to the north of Elm Street at the time of the fatal headshot. As the motorcade left Dealey Plaza, police officers and spectators ran up the gr- to the grassy hill and from the triple underpass to the area behind a five-foot-high stockade fence atop the knoll, separate- separating it from a parking lot. No sniper was found there. S.M. Holland, who had been watching the motorcade on the triple underpass, testified to them immediately after the shots were fired. He saw a puff of smoke rising from the trees right by the stockade fence, and then ran around the corner where the overpass joined the fence, but did not see anyone running from that area. Lee Bowers was in a two-story railroad switch tower, which gave him an unobstructed view of the rear of the stockade fence atop the grassy knoll. He saw four men in the area between his tower and Elm Street. Two men who seemed not to know each other near the triple underpass, some 10 to 15 feet apart, and one or two uniformed parking lot attendants. At the time of the shooting, he saw, quote, something out of the ordinary, a sort of milling around, which he could not identify. Bowers testified that one or both of the men were still there when motorcycle officer Clyde Haygood ran up the grassy knoll to the back of the fence. In a 1966 interview, Bowers clarified that the two men he saw were standing in the opening between the 
pergola and the fence, and that no one was behind the fence at the time the shots were fired. Meanwhile, Howard Brennan, a, a steam fitter who had been sitting across the street from the Texas School Book Depository, approached police to say that as the motorcade passed, he heard a shot come from above, and looked up to see a man with a rifle take another shot from a six-floor corner window. He said he'd seen the same man looking out the window minutes earlier. Police broadcast Brennan's description of this man at 1245, 12.48, 12.55 p.m. After the second shot, Brennan recalled, This man was aiming for his last shot and maybe paused for another second, as though to assure himself that he had hit his mark. As Brennan spoke to the police in front of the building, they were joined by two book depository employees who had been watching the motorcade from windows at the southeast corner of the building's fifth floor. One reported hearing three gunshots come from directly over their heads and sounds of a bolt-action rifle and cartridges dropping on the floor above. Dallas police sealed off the exits from the depository approximately between 12.33 and 12.50 p.m. There were at least 104 ear witnesses in Dealey Plaza who were on record with an opinion as to the direction from which the shots came. 54 thought that all shots came from the depository building. 33 about 31% thought that they came from either the grassy knoll or the triple underpass. Nine thought that each shot came from a location entirely distinct from the knoll or the depository. And five, only 4%, believed they heard shots from two locations. And three, barely 3%, thought that the shots originated from a direction consistent with both the knoll and the depository. The Warren Commission additionally concluded that the three shots were fired and said that, quote, a substantial majority of witnesses stated that the shots were not evenly spaced. Most witnesses recall that the second and third shots were bunched together. An Italian Carcano M9138 bolt action rifle was found on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository by Constable Seymour Wheatsman and Deputy Sheriff Eugene Boone soon after the assassination. The recovery was filmed by Tom Ali of WFAA-TV. The rifle had been purchased secondhand by Oswald the previous March under the alias A. Hiddle and delivered to a post office box he had rented in Dallas. According to the Warren report, a partial palm print belonging to Oswald was also found on the barrel and fibers found in a crevice of the rifle were consistent with the fibers from the shirt Oswald was wearing when he was arrested. A bullet found on Governor Connolly's hospital gurney and two bullet fragments found in the limo were ballistically matched to this rifle. In a death certificate executed the following day, Kennedy's personal physician, George Berkeley, recited that he arrived at the hospital some five minutes after Kennedy, and though Secret Service personnel reported that Kennedy had been breathing, immediately saw that survival was impossible. Their certificate listed gunshot wound skull as the cause of death. Kennedy was pronounced dead at 1 p.m. after heart activity ceased. Father Oscar Huber administered the last rite to the Roman Catholic Church. He told the New York Times that by the time he arrived at the hospital, Kennedy had died, so they had to draw back a sheet covering Kennedy's face to administer the sacrament of stream, extreme unction. Kennedy's death was announced by White House Acting Press Secretary Malcolm Kilduff at 1.33 p.m. George, er, sorry, Governor Connolly, meanwhile, underwent surgery. Members of Kennedy's security detail were attempting to remove Kennedy's body from the hospital. 
when they briefly scuffled with Dallas officials, including Dallas County Coroner Earl Rose, who believed that he was legally obligated to perform an autopsy before Kennedy's body was removed. The Secret Service pushed through and Rose eventually stepped aside. The forensic panel of the HSCA, of which Rose was a member, later said that Texas law made it the responsibility of the Justice of the Peace to determine the cause of death and to determine whether an autopsy was needed. A Dallas County Justice of the Peace Office Peace signed the official record of the inquest as well as a second certificate of death. A few minutes after two, Kennedy's body was taken from Parkland Hospital to Love Field. His casket was loaded into the rear of the passenger compartment of Air Force One and placed a removed row of seats. Vice President Johnson had accompanied Kennedy to Dallas and been riding two cars behind Kennedy's limo in the motorcade. He became president as soon as Kennedy died and at 238 with Jackie Kennedy at his side, he was administered the oath of office by federal judge Sarah Tillman Hughes aboard Air Force One shortly before departing for Washington. Kennedy's body was flown back to Washington, D.C. His autopsy was performed at Bethesda Naval Hospital between 8 p.m. and midnight, November 23rd. It was performed at a naval hospital at the request of Jacqueline Kennedy on the basis that President Kennedy had been a naval officer during World War II. On Sunday, November 24th, Kennedy's coffin was carried to the U.S. Capitol to lie in state. Throughout the day and night, hundreds of thousands of people lined up to view the guarded casket. Representatives from over 90 countries attended the state funeral on Monday, November 25th. After the Requiem Mass at St. Matthew's Cathedral, Kennedy was buried at Arlington Cemetery, just outside Washington in Virginia. After the Dallas police arrested Oswald and collected physical evidence at the crime scenes, they held Oswald at their headquarters, questioning him all afternoon about the shootings of Kennedy and Officer Tippett. They intermittently questioned him for approximately 12 hours between 2.30 p.m on November 22nd and 11 a.m. on November 24th. Throughout, Oswald denied any involvement with either shooting. Captain Fritz of the Homicide and Robbery Bureau did most of the questioning. He kept only rudimentary notes. Days later, he wrote a report of the interrogation from notes he made afterwards. There were no stenographic or tape recordings. Representatives of other law enforcement agencies were also present, including the FBI and the Secret Service and occasionally participated in the questioning. Several of the FBI agents who were present wrote contemporaneous notes of the interrogation. On the evening of the assassination, Dallas police performed paraffin tests on Oswald's hands and right cheek in an effort to establish whether or not he had recently fired a weapon. The results were positive for the hands and negative for the right cheek. Some such tests were unreliable in the Warren Commission did not rely on those results. Oswald provided little information during his questioning. When confronted with evidence that he could not explain, he resorted to statements that were found to be false. On December 9, 1963, the Warren Commission received the FBI's report of its investigation, which concluded that three bullets had been fired, the first hitting Kennedy, the second hitting Connolly, and the third hitting Kennedy in the head, killing him. The Warren Commission concluded that one of three shots missed. One passed through Kennedy and then struck Connolly, and a third struck Kennedy in the head. Many conspiracy theories 
positive that the assassination involved people or organizations in addition to Oswald, including the FBI, the CIA, the military, the mafia, um, Vice President Johnson, Fidel Castro, the KGB, or a combination of these entities. Public opinion polls have consistently shown that a majority of Americans believe there was a conspiracy to kill Kennedy. Gallup polls have also found that only 20 to 30 percent of the population believe that Oswald had acted alone. These polls also show that there is no agreement on who else may have been involved. Former Los Angeles District Attorney Vincent Bugliosi estimated that a total of 42 groups, 82 assassins, and 214 people had been accused in various Kennedy assassination conspiracy theories. And that is a wrap for today's episode. As we all should agree, crimes are never good and bring sadness to countless people. It is important, though, for us to try to understand the reasoning behind such tragedies and create awareness to avoid them from happening again. Um, let us know your thoughts on this topic in the com- comment section below. Um, do you have any uh, strong um, beliefs on who you think did it outside of just conspiracy theories and whatnot? Like, have you actually looked into this case? much uh, let us know in the comment section below and before we go we're going to tackle our favorite segment somewhat of a new segment the Pondex true crime edition segment where we answer a question from the true crime deck that Pondex provides on their app you can find their app on the store play store apple store but today's question is, what was the first true crime podcast you listened to that got you hooked on the genre? That's tough. There's not a lot that stand out, but I want to say um, those conspiracy guys, they're a true crime slash conspiracy, clearly, uh, podcast that I kind of really got into. Got me inspired to launch a conspiracy theory podcast, which I'll be starting in December 1st. Bam. I'm going to go with them. That's probably my first true crime podcast I listened to. But we'd like to know what was the first true crime podcast you listened to that got you hooked. Let us know in the comments section below. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.